Hi and welcome. I'm Carol Sanford, the host of the Responsible Capitalist podcast, where we seek to align your money with the meaning in your life. Today, I would like to um, give you an overview of what it means to really be responsible for other people's money and whether or not they are and you are as a result of carrying their money will help them really make a difference with it. There is so much uh, conversation now under what it means to be an impact investor. And as you've heard me say on other of these podcasts, people aren't so good at always determining whether the money they're investing will make much difference. So I'm going to offer you three criteria today for doing that. And the way you would look at this is you think about the money being spent and it's impacting people, whether they're here in the U.S. or around the world, or it's impacting Earth. Uh, ask the question first, does it advance the personal agency of those that it affects? Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in the case of human beings, it's pretty clear. Can they make their own choices? Do they have the ability to make their own decisions? Can they stay healthy and move around in the world? Can they move that into exercising it to have an expression of something that they really want to affect in the world? It overcomes the sense of being a victim and creates a sense of opportunity. So this idea of personal agency could be judged uh, by any corporation or any small business. If it's a large corporation making food, you can ask, does that food give them the capacity to be healthy so that they can exercise personal agency? If not, not so much. You could ask the question, are we transparent so they can tell what's in this food? Everything from uh, genetically modified to uh, what are all the ingredients that are in it in explicit terms, and maybe even more so, how much. We still can't tell how much of our food, what we're consuming, and how much of uh, an item we're consuming. So one of the things you would look for is, am I investing in businesses that advance the personal agency of their consumers, customers, and users? I was at Google when I first made this um, talk last week, and one of the things the Google guys jumped up and said is, that's what our whole business is about. We want people having full information, full access to anything they want to reach out to. I think that's true. I think that's a pretty good example. The second criteria you would ask if you're investing other people's money, and of course it would be your own money if you invested too, is, is the ability of someone to express their own unique essence present, who they are differentiated and distinct in and of themselves. Not their personality, but at that heart, at that core of what they are about and could really bring into the world. Now, ideally, you get that hooked up with personal agency, and then they're really moving and changing things in the world, which are really who they are, rather than copying a big brother, big sister, some icon, they are finding out who they are. One of the things that you can tell about a business is if it's really giving people options to choose, to combine, to build something of their own, it's getting much closer to what it is that... Um, much closer to the ability to express essence and in their own unique way. So if you look at the creation of video materials and you look at the kinds of um, operating systems that are available to do that, you could tell that Apple launched into this category many years ago, letting each person express themselves, make an entire film overnight, uh, create music online, and be fully able to express their own essence. But the same thing would be true if you went into the grocery store. Can people build and create that which they want to build and create? Do you have the kind of uh, access to ingredients that lets them do that and have the decision-making for personal agency? 
The third area is, are they able to really contribute and make a difference to a system? Now that may sound like, what difference does that make and what's that the, why is that the job of a, a company or a business serving them? Uh, well, it comes from my belief about how responsibility works, which is each of us, starting when we're very young, wants to make a difference with our lives. It shows up in different ways and it gets called different things like living out my purpose, finding my mission, but the key is that we want to have our lives have mattered. And I particularly think that we want to be able to affect a system and so that it's not just a little bitty dent, although that counts, it's not solving one problem, but it's able to make a difference in a way that if you were to write the history of our life, we would say that's a life well lived. So think about those three criteria as you're listening to Joel Solomon, our guest today. Joel is going to talk about how it is he created the business which has set up funds and a variety of ways to invest other people's money. And I'm asking him a lot of questions about how you end up making those judgment calls. Joel Solomon, really excited to have you with us. Would you give us just a bit of an introduction to you? What kind of work you're up to and why you choose to do that and the way you do it? I'm Joel Solomon and I'm the chair of Renewal Funds Company. I'm based in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I've spent my career focused on how to align money, business, and finance with making the world better. And today we call ourselves a social venture capital business. And, the, and so we invest in companies in organic foods, green consumer products, and social and environmental innovations as a boutique venture capital firm. We've got $98 million under management now in two different funds with well over 100 investors that are individuals, families, charitable foundations, and uh, <clears throat> SRI wealth managers. We have no large institutions. The reason that I do this work is because I want to be part of shifting trillions of dollars from what I consider destructive practices into more constructive and possibly even regenerative ones. And that's because who's come before us and what's been built in the financial system probably came from a lot of good intention. People attempting to make a better life, look out for their families and do the best they could. And we now have more information. We know a lot more about human impact and we live in a generation where we have more ability to do damage than we've ever had before. Now, of course, I think we also have more ability to be positive and constructive and create a world that'll be here for many future generations in a more just, balanced, and sustainable and resilient way. That's wonderful. So I did a radio program this morning on investing. And one of the questions I was asked on the interview was, isn't it hard to actually do the due diligence to know whether these companies are worth investing in? Like Ben and Jerry's got bought out by someone else. And, you know, I know how to do the numbers, but how do you make an assessment of whether your fund is going to be investing in something? Okay. Well, the first thing about every decision we make with our fund is we realize and have a great deal of respect that we have other people's money and we have their trust. And we've made a certain kind of promise to them. So in our venture capital fund, we've said that there will be, we're aiming for a, a pretty good financial return rate. However, we've also offered to provide something different, something that may be uh, not available to them in their current portfolio or from their current uh, opportunities for investment. 
And that has to do with a social environmental impact as well as a financial success. So the, for us, that means the very first thing we look at is what is the actual, what are the values, mission, and purpose of the entrepreneurs? We're not going to look further if we feel that it's other than attempting to do something constructive and meaningful. Second will be those people and their culture of their company. Uh, what kind of a business are they going to run? We're not looking for perfection. We don't think it exists. We're looking for people that are making solid incremental advances and improving various products and services. So that means that number three, after who the people are, what they're about, and what kind of a culture and company they're going to run, is, is it competent? Can it succeed? Can it meet the financial returns that we've uh, committed to work hard for for our investors? And do you have particular kinds of goals that you ask them to achieve then I in either of those three triple bottom line arenas? I mean, do you ask them, to, and, and I'm sure you do, how you help them set financial goals, social goals, and ecological goals, both in what they do in the world and how they do things inside their business? Okay. So we've been given an incredible trust by our investors to use our judgment and our experience. We struggle with the question of the science of this and the metrics. All of us that are in this field are now dealing with the fact that financial bottom line is very black and white. Now we're moving into the realm of subjective judgment, opinion, feeling. <laughs> we're, we're, we're off away from that hard line of did you make this much money or not? Our approach to this is we've been at it. We've actually been at this for decades. I have, and I've been at it for decades. My colleagues at Renewal have been at it for quite some time. The way that we've approached it is we've made our own fund into a gears rated fund, a B corporation fund, and we also do 1% for the planet as part of our uh, give back that we've formalized. We ask and offer, we do not force our portfolio companies to consider becoming B corporations or to use other kinds of metrics and uh, certifications and things that are in their fields. So an example is one of the companies we're really proud of is one of the only USDA certified manufacturers that also has its own brands in skin and beauty care. This is an industry following behind the organic food industry. It's been around for quite some time that is newer and less regulated. And a couple of years ago, Whole Foods told, gave, kind of announced to its uh, health and beauty aids product suppliers that over a five-year period, they're going to move to only things that are actually certified organic will they be able to present as organic. However, that company also is in an economically depressed part of Pennsylvania. And when we, were, when we acquired the, the business from a, uh, an elderly couple who had built it lovingly for many, many years, the employees were, of course, quite concerned. Are we going to shut down the plant? Are we going to move? You know, what's going to happen with it? And not only have we invested further in expansion in this community, but we created an employee ownership plan or options plan. Now, that's a situation, and each situation actually requires its own care and attention to answer this question in our minds. There is not a black and white way for us to figure out how to do this investing and still keep the spirit of it intact. I believe that the world is going to get better 
with defining these kinds of metrics and defining what these kinds of values represent. That may or may not be a good thing because some of it's going to be putting a square peg in a round hole. The summary of all that is that we say, judge us by our track record, judge us by the transactions we do, talk to other people about doing business with us, and we, we promise you that we are doing our very best to look at the company in every way that we can, its supply chain, how it treats employees, what its products are made from, where they're sourced, and these kinds of things, and make a judgment call about the balance of all those factors and does this incrementally advance a part of an industry into better practices and modeling the pathway towards, uh, towards uh, that, that uh, ephemeral goal of perfection? Mm -hmm. I can't remember who the philosopher is, but uh, talks about progressive approximation. And that sounds a bit like what you're talking about. And I, when people ask me how I measure success, I said, I usually ask whether they're still on the path to where they're going and does the rate feel reasonable? Because yes. there, I mean, there may not even be right, and you quit paying attention to everything on the journey. So I like how you're describing it. And I, and I've got to add, I mean, that can be that can be uh, considered a cover for, uh, you know, fuzziness and not oh. actually doing what you say you're going to do. And this comes back to there's a track record. You can look at these businesses, compare them to their industry, and we have to stand on that. Um, you know, as I listen to you, I think about um, a conversation I have with people about why I wrote about the entrepreneurs that are in the book I just did, yeah. because they said, well, what I'd rather do, even though these look like really great people, is just make a whole lot of money any way I know how to do that, and then I'll use philanthropy and give it give some of it away. That's right. And, you know, I have a big argument with that. I mean, not against philanthropy, because I think it's very useful, but much of what philanthropy has to do is take care of the social and ecological impacts that are not being taken care of inside of a business. So I'm wondering how you respond to that question of yes. why and get rich and then just give money to what you think ought to happen. Well, this is the early stage of the kind of uh, values, vision, and, and, and purpose that we're talking about. Many, many people have, have been good, caring business people, They've cared about their community. They, they, they feel blessed to have had the opportunities they have, and they give back. So that's the, been the traditional form of, of thinking more of I was rewarded, and, and I know that that came because of my community and, and, and my customers and people that helped me, and my workers in particular, so I'm going to give back. So I applaud philanthropy. In the early part of my career, coming from a family that was entrepreneurially successful in the shopping mall industry and seeing the kind of privilege that I just got born to because I was the child of uh, good fortune. There was something incongruous about that, that I just make money no matter what the consequences and then I could just give it away, almost like going to church on Sunday and forgiving myself yes. or going to, or let's, I guess I should say going to temple on, uh, on Friday. I understand that completely. This is a harder question we're now facing, which is what's the ethical, moral, spiritual, relational aspect of what it means to have the privilege to make money. So examining my own privilege mm -hmm. that I was born into having access to money, it was the 60s, by the way, and mm -hmm. it was a time of a lot of questioning and disruption and systems changing and people challenging stuff. 
And, and I think that touched me. I think I was influenced by it. And I began to question, how does the world work? Why do some have so much and others not? Why, why is the environment getting in trouble? You know, things like this. So I, as I thought about that in my 20s uh, and, and the idea, and I can't, I can't promise you this happened in my 20s, but it might have been later. I can only, you, can, you know, how do we know exactly what we thought then? But in any case, I looked at the idea that the, the, the global economic system was built on maximum return, maximum financial return, that the global financial system is built on maximum financial return. I understand why we all like to get a good return. If I've got a retirement account, I want it to grow. Um, we're willing to give away money. You make, we, we make money, we want maximum return on that. We give away money, we're willing to accept minus 100% return, financial return. Okay, we get a tax break. So let's call it minus 60. So we're comfortable to make infinitely maximum return when we're out trying to build the wealth. And then we're comfortable with minus 60% when we give it away. Now, I just can't even understand with the amount of human ingenuity on the planet, the number of challenges and problems we have societally and environmentally, what about that zone that's between minus 60 and infinite, positive infinite? So this always perplexed me. And I think that now is the time where we are called as a species to consider this dilemma and figure out how to be smarter about it. How can we make an acceptable re financial return rate while providing an acceptable and responsible contribution to these other things that matter about life? So I understand what happens with the ambition aspect to want to be the best and do really well. And the measuring stick right now is how much money did you make? And as a young man, the models of what success meant in society or still means in society is who's made a lot of money, whether you're a television star or rock, rock music star or your business person. And the models of who was the most spiritually successful or who was the most morally successful, these kinds of things, those models are less and less visible to us. They don't get the same kind of glorification until maybe after they, they die, they might, then we go and we, we mourn them and we talk about how great they were. And then we go back to making a lot of money. So I came up with an idea as a younger guy that was, okay, I don't think I'm smart enough to make billions of dollars or I'm not cut out for it. It doesn't make me happy to think about such a thing and what I would go through and what it would do to me. And so the way that I calm myself as I said, I want to be a billionaire of good deeds. Mm -hmm. I want to do well enough financially. I want to take care of the things that I'm passionate to take care of. That might be family and self and, uh, you know, my own lifestyle and things like that. How can I make my life be a contribution to future generations and their well-being in the larger context? Not, not just money for my progeny or the, the specific people I care about. But aren't we all better off being good citizens and good stewards of this, this Garden of Eden and this incredible gift we have of being alive and the, the, the incredible inventions that have happened of giving us homes and communities and towns and cities and schools and all of this kind of stuff. So that's my long answer. Uh, it's great to be a good philanthropist. 
when you create a charitable foundation and you put a bunch of assets there, where are those assets? What are they doing? You're trying to make money to give away more money to solve the problems you're creating while you're making money. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well said. That's the loop. I have the second part of the question that I wondered is we're talking about kind of concepts and principles of how you work. I think it would be helpful if you can to give us an example of what you think might be, and it's probably one you have invested in, so you're very close, uh, of how the future of investing could look if we were able to bring together this sense of, uh, I need a return because it's my investment in, or my retirement and supporting others, my ability to make a difference in the world while I do it. And it doesn't necessarily have to have the liquidity in it, but any other values which need to be there. What Do you, do you have examples of where you feel like some investments you've done or some company you've invested in to start would help us see how that might work? Okay, I'm going to uh, take the example of Alter Eco. Alter Eco is a business that started around the idea of fair trade. For anyone who doesn't know, fair trade actually examines, in this case, they, they, they sell chocolate, quinoa, rice, and other commodity products. The term commodity implies that there's a global supply, it's all one price, it's one standard, and the demand for that commodity uh, causes, you know, creates the price. In that system, the person who actually grows the food, tends the soil, takes the risk for weather, pests, uh, how, how to get a successful crop, and this kind of thing. They're just a cog in the machine in the commodity world. They, they spend their year, they either have product or not, they get whatever price the global commodity uh, world will pay. That is often not survivable or barely survivable. There are layers and layers of middle people, distributors, brokers, promoters, retailers, who all want their cut while, let's say, a cacao bean goes from the tree to the harvester and makes it to my chocolate bar sitting in my desk drawer right now that I get to enjoy when I want a little break in the afternoon. Fair trade attempts to cut through that system and go more direct to farmers and be sure that they get a fair price. That's what that's about. I, sitting here in Vancouver, British Columbia with a chocolate bar in my desk drawer, actually have a relationship or at least a connection to some farmers I've never met, or in this case with chocolate, I suppose harvesters. I don't even think about them typically. I just eat the chocolate and enjoy it. Fair trade is about making that connection, creating a relationship, or at least being responsible about the fact that there is a relationship. So that's one element, fair trade. Then there's organic, organic and fair trade that Alter Eco wants to provide as its baseline standard. Organic, of course, means that there's natural methods used and there's less damaging and toxic chemicals applied to crops and to people's bodies and that things are grown in a certain way that is more like, is more conservative. It is more the way food was grown forever until the Industrial Revolution gave us techniques to manipulate uh, the uh, natural world and maybe grow things faster and make them look the same. And at the time, we didn't know what these chemicals did and we didn't understand all the ramifications. So now we do, we have a global food system and Alter Eco is attempting to be a model 
The right. same way we're in, in the global food system, Alter Eco is attempting to be a model in the global food system the way that renewal attempts to be a model in the global financial system. That's wonderful. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I, I love that example because it gives us a more comprehensive look. People are going to be interested in talking to you now. They're going to want to know how to reach you. Do you do you have a website or is, you know, what method should people try and follow up with you here? Well, uh, I, I, I do my very best to respond to people that have questions or want to learn more about these fields or explore their own relationship with money and that kind of thing. I, of course, have human limits. Right. Uh, however, uh, we have a website for renewal funds. It's called renewalfunds.com. I personally am on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and I'm, I'm pretty good about responding. And I, I'm on those. My, my tag is usually Joel Solomon. And so that's, that's the best way to get in touch with me. I also uh, attend a lot of conferences and networks in this field. And I'm at the point in my life, I turned 60 this year, where it's important to me to share what the kind of experiences and really the privilege that I've had to get to do this and, and, and move money around and have people's trust and faith with their money. And uh, I consider it a responsibility to give back and share what I've learned and uh, whatever insights I may have, hopefully they're, they're good and they're useful. And uh, you can look for me uh, around the places where people are caring about aligning money and values. Wonderful. Um, I have so much, I always enjoy talking with you. I always enjoy listening to you. But this been, has been especially uh, informative because you've given so much of the detail that allows us to see how it plays out. Oh my gosh, thank you, Joel. Um, you all should know and probably can tell for sure that Joel is one of my favorite people in the world. I feel like every time I hear him speak, I learn something and I feel inspired. So thank you for coming, Joel. We'll make sure we put up uh, on the podcast page how people can reach out to you and find out more about your funds. And I hope all of you will also reach out to us at the Responsible Entrepreneur Institute, the Responsible uh, Capitalist Podcast, and the Responsible Entrepreneur Podcast. You can also find more at carolsanford.com where you can find both of my books. Both have won many awards and are full of more great stories like this, The Responsible Business and The Responsible Entrepreneur. And please join us next time. <music>